From the dumbwaiter at the Hotel Rwanda, it's the IGN DigiGod. And now, two men who couldn't explain the plot of Inception if their lives depended on it, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) I never know if I should talk over the opening song. Like, are you recording... Do, do I have to be quiet while the opening song goes? No, I, I got. I have the, the all of that stuff is. I have your levels completely down while the music's going, so that you can scream, you can spout obscenities, you can do anything you want. It won't pick up. Well, put it this way: I was drinking a diet coke, and slurping and gurgling and burping and making baby noises and burping, and I didn't know whether I should not do that. You're okay. Thank you. So, Mark, how was uh, how was New York for Thanksgiving? Oh. Man, did I eat. Yeah, we all did. Oh, no. Let me tell you something. I don't eat a lot. Yes. Because I'm six feet, 165 pounds. Right. I don't eat a lot. Right. But what I want to eat, it's on. How am I heavier than you now? Well, because you know why? Because you are, what, 170, let's say? Uh, about 172. Because you are 172 but pounds. But I was, I was 165 for years and years and years and no, years. No, but you are 172 pounds of, like, muscle. Yeah. Not that, muscle, not, man, not but, like, really. muscle. I'd say more Where, like bone, but go on. Whereas I'm 165 pounds of just flab. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, here's the thing, though. Yeah. When I was in New York, did something very exciting. What'd you do? I saw the premiere the world premiere, yes, never before seen by anybody ever, ever, ever of the sixty-five million dollar Broadway production of Spider-Man: Turn Off the Dark with music by U2, Bono and the Edge. Wow! Directed by Julie Taymor, mm-hmm. who directed The Lion King. Oh, actually, there's a funny story. Who also has The Tempest coming out this season. That's that's yes. true. Now, uh, I don't know if you've been reading about Spider-Man, uh, the Broadway musical. Not much, no. Plagued with problems, right? $65 million, over twice as expensive as the previous most expensive Broadway play ever. Wow. Constantly uh, postponed because uh, crew members would, were getting injured. Tech problems. Money problems. Web problems. Web problems. Yeah. So finally, they decide they're going to premiere. Okay. And I'm in New York. So I stand in line with my friend in the cancellation line. We're there for two hours in the freezing cold. Okay. And there may not even be any cancellations. It's opening night. Right. This, this play has never been seen from beginning to end by anybody. Right. This is like Matthew Broderick's in line and Sarah Jessica Parker's in line and John okay. Hayes and the celebrities are online. Okay. So uh, we're waiting in the cancellation line. We get a ticket, but we miss the first 10 minutes. Okay. That's what happens. Now, I remember thinking back to when you and I saw The Lion King. Yep. And they said, don't <laughs> Do miss, miss the, the first, first 10, 10 minutes. minutes. It is spectacular. Yeah. And we, we and missed, we the, missed first, the first 10 minutes. Yeah. And we don't know if it was spectacular or not. Yeah, it wasn't. Because Wade got stuck in traffic yeah. like an idiot. Yeah. So here's the thing. I missed the first 10 minutes of Lion King. I missed the first 10 minutes of Spider-Man. So the something about me and Julie Taymor shows yeah. that just compel me to miss the first 10 minutes. Okay. So here's the thing with Spider-Man. Big controversial show. $65 million. Wade, I saw something in the show. That I had never seen in a Broadway show ever. And what would that be? I saw it five times. A technical stop. Really? The show just stopped. They just stopped. Really? The action would stop, and a guy would come on the microphone saying, uh, Excuse me, folks, uh, we got to stop for a second for a uh, technical problem. We'll be up in a second. No in, kidding. In fact, 
the very end of the first act. That happens at Disneyland a lot on rides. Oh, it doesn't. It actually, it did last time I was there. Really? Oh, yeah. They were, they were stopping the Indiana Jones ride all day long. Well, anyway, carry on. That'll teach you for going yeah. on the Indiana Jones ride. Anyway, right before the first act is about to end. Yeah. And Spider-Man is flying all over the stage, right? they, they got yeah. harnesses and wires. Zip, zip, zip. Zip, sure. zip, zip. He's 30 feet above the audience, and he just stops. And the guy says, excuse me, folks, we got a technical problem. And there's Spider-Man hanging 30 feet in the air, just doing a dance, motioning to the band to start playing because he's just laying there. He's just hanging there like Spider-Man, and that's it. And then he does that for like eight minutes. No He's hanging there like a big, dead Spider-Man. Wow. Nothing he can do. And the funny thing is that, is that, is that the crew ran up on stage, and they were trying to grab his foot to pull him back onto the stage, but they couldn't grab his foot. So every time they were trying to grab his foot, the audience, whoa, and they, would, they wouldn't grab the foot. The audience would laugh, and then uh-huh. Spider-Man would swing back, and they'd try to grab his foot. And they couldn't yeah. do it. Whoa, and the audience would laugh. It was a, it was a mess. But here's wow. the thing is that – Apart from all that, is show any good? That's, that's the ultimate point. The, the tech problems, they'll work out. The problem is that the show sucks. The book, <laughs> the book is not good. The second act is so confusing. Spider-Man loses his powers. Don't know why. He gets his powers back. Don't know why. Mary Jean, I think, died. I'm not sure why. It, ju- it just didn't make any sense. And it didn't make any sense. The music? It's okay. There's some good stuff in it. <laughs> wow. You know, it's okay. okay. Uh, but here's the thing. It, it, it's in previews. Now, a lot of Broadway shows, they'll preview out of state. They'll work out all the problems out of state, and then they'll go to Broadway. But when you're $65 million in, you are not going to preview in South Carolina. You're going to preview on Broadway. And the thing is is that they've got six weeks to fix this thing up before, it, uh, before it's the actual premiere. But I'm surprised, given the amount of talents involved behind the scenes, that the book, you know, the story, the script, uh, that the book is that far away from being at least decent. That was the surprise. But uh, you know, we'll see. I'm really hoping it uh, dies. It, it dies a horrible death because then I can say that uh, you know, I was there for the premiere. Wow, unbelievable! And by the way, you will not be hearing the story later on Stupid for Movies because I don't think producer Mike wants me to talk about it. Well, there it is. There it is. There by it the is. way, Stupid for Movies Thursday, 8 p.m. Pacific that's time. Right. No, not 8 p.m. We're doing it late. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. We are doing it late. We're doing, we are it, late. doing it late. That's right. We're doing it late because we have to go to the uh, screening of the Chronicles of Narnia. So we'll be coming live right at you uh, around more like ten o'clock after uh, Chronicles of Narnia is done. Anyway, Mark, I'm going to start off with uh, with a DVD that's important because it pertains to us, to our generation. Mm. And uh, this is from PBS. It is Easy Yoga for Arthritis with Peggy Cappy. Yoga for the rest of us. That's a joke. You can laugh now. You always start the show with something that no one cares about. <laughs> it's, it's it's easy yoga for arthritis, Mark. Do you do you do yoga? No, you know what? I I do not uh, do yoga. I do not have arthritis. I, but I will say this. You're gonna. I will say this. Yeah. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was diagnosed. Yes. With my very first old man disease, which is what gout, bursitis, bursite. Really, you have yeah, bursitis? Swear to God. Where? Uh, my right hip. Really? Yes. I went Serious? to my doctor, and he prescribed me. Uh, this like twenty four hour Advil. Oh my goodness! Well, anyway, <laughs> actually, uh, I'm going to give this to my aunt because she's uh, she's got a little bit of arthritis and uh, likes to exercise a lot. So uh, 
you know, this will uh, this will do nicely for her. But uh, Peggy Cappy, I, I I looked at this and I almost said Peggy Crappy. No, it uh, you know, if you if you have arthritis, you got some grandparents or parents or somebody who's suffering from arthritis, get them into yoga. PBS. Uh, can we keep going? Yeah, we'll move on to something else. Uh, you know what, Mark? Um, not a fan of Avatar, as we all know, but we uh, we did finally get from 20th Century Fox the extended Blu-ray collector's edition, three discs of Avatar. Which, as if we needed any more of this movie, uh, it, it, it's an extended cut with 16 minutes of additional CGI and yeah. junk. And uh, the bonus material goes on for eight hours. There's even nearly an hour of extra material that's not in the extended cut. And uh, what I find really amusing is that this includes what's called a family audio track. With "quote unquote" all objectionable language removed. I hate that. Do you just, remember I, any objectionable language in this movie? I. Hate it was PG thirteen. Uh, it's the worst. Wow. Anyway, I. By, by just, the way, Sam Worthington. One moment, Sam Worthington was everywhere. Yeah. Now he's nowhere. I know. What's he doing? Overexposed. Seriously, overexposed. I and just, and I contend that the movies he was in apart from Avatar, did not do well enough to establish him as a draw. And so I don't think... I think everybody for a moment when they heard he was an Avatar... Because remember, he was cast in Terminator Salvation and in uh, uh, Clash of the Titans Titans before he made Avatar. You know, like he was shooting Avatar... Before Avatar was released, I should say. You know, and based on that, everybody said, oh, my gosh, we've got to jump on the bandwagon. This guy's going to be huge. He's going to be hot. So they put him in those big movies thinking that they were going to get... You know, once Avatar came and kind of skyrocketed, that they would get a little bit of the the coattails. And as it turns out, they they didn't get much out of it. So I think it pretty much sent the message that Sam Worthington, not a star. I'm glad. Yeah. So I think that took the, the bloom off the rose. And as a result, he has not been, I mean, he'll continue to do stuff. But, you know, it's, he'll, he's not a great actor. He's just fine. He's adequate. I agree. Yeah. Uh, now this, uh, Blu-ray trend, yeah. uh, transfer is the same one that was it's on a, the it, bare bones. Basically edition. the same. I mean, apart from the fact that it has 16 additional minutes, but it's not. It's not like oh my gosh, it looks so much better. It look, looks the same basically. Uh, but yeah, there's just gobs and gobs of stuff here, and there's just featurettes beyond all comprehension. Oh, there's, there's a pretty cool interactive scene deconstruction where yeah. they uh, they take they, they take like a couple different like a couple different scenes, yeah, seventeen different scenes, and they tell you like how they made it picture in picture all through every step of it till the final product. Too much. That's kind of interesting. Uh, the just... script is in there. Uh, some ridiculous fanboy comprehensive guide to Planet Pandora. And, and actually, there's an Easter egg on here. If you if you can find and click the Easter egg, James Cameron will crawl out of your Blu-ray player. How do you get in there? It's it's the magic of 3D. What? Yes. Anyway, there it is. Just in time for the holidays for you to go and double dip and give Fox even more of your money. Exactly. Uh, but you know what I really like, Mark? You know what makes me very happy? What? What makes me very happy is that just in time for uh, Little Fockers, which is going to be released momentarily. Wait, I'm about to cough, by the way. Oh, because we don't have a cough button on the show because we're low budge. Correct. Okay, go ahead. Cough. <coughs> Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm done. Mark's germs will be uh, available for giveaway. 
Uh, no, Little Fockers is going to be released uh, shortly in a matter of weeks in theaters. And they said, you know what? Let's just get Meet the Parents and Meet the Fockers out there on Blu-ray. Mark, do you realize that still Meet the Fockers, Meet the Fockers is still the single most successful comedy of all time? I uh, did not know that. Yes. I did the hangover that. is close, but but even if you factor in inflation and all of that, regardless... Meet the Fockers is the most successful comedy of all time. You see, you see, How weird he, is that? Here's the thing. The studios don't like factoring in inflation. I know. Because they like just being able to say that their current release is the best ever. If you factor in inflation. Like Gone with you, the Wind is like the greatest Well, if you ever. fully. No, no. If you, if you factor in inflation, the most successful film of all time winds up being Snow White, I think. Snow White? I think it's still Snow White. But uh, either that or the Ten Commandments. But. Um, no, meet the uh, meet the Fockers is huge, but if you factor in inflation for comedies, I think Ghostbusters is still the all time ticket sale champ I'm for comedies. Bad. Anyway, I love these films. I like Meet the Parents better, but I think there's a lot of funny stuff in Meet the Fockers. Really, you like you like these movies? I really do. I mean, they're, I think they're, they're, fu- they're very fun. funny. It, you know, it's, you know, look, you know look, when, come on, come on, when De Niro says when De Niro says Puff the Magical Dragon. And he tries to explain to him that it's a it's a dope song, and he goes, oh, "Puff's the name of the boy's magical dragon." Come on, tell me that's not funny. Yeah, but tell me that uh, uh, tell me that uh, analyze this is not funnier than Meet the Fockers Anal- or Meet the Parents. Analyze this is not funnier. Really? No, no, not in the least. Anyway, it's a good Blu-ray. Uh, it, it's fine. It's adequate. I gotta say, Universal really just kind of. Uh, pooped these out without an awful lot of work on them uh so while i love the movies i can't say an, an awful lot about the uh, the transfers they're fine they're adequate uh i think some of it may have to do with the fact that uh, these are dreamworks films and i don't know that universal wants to put an awful lot of money into the dreamworks transfers um you know it's it's kind of weird because dreamworks is part of paramount now and this was a universal dreamworks co-production and maybe there's something there that they just feel they're not adequately invested i'm not sure but anyway or maybe they feel that the audience for meet the fockers meet the parents might be a little bit older i don't know so older people don't really care about extras and bd live and whatnot i don't know so well, anyway, wrap it out. anyway, uh, they're out there. Uh, you know, the, the extras on here is all standard stuff, just featurette and uh, some decent commentary stuff here. The, the better commentary is actually on Meet the Fockers with uh, Jay Roach and John Paul. Um, Jay Roach, of course, being the director. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it, the, the extras are fine, just decent. But I would get them anyway just because the movies are good. And uh, yes, not Wade? since you. Oh. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, I do want to make a quick little recommendation here. This is a this is a little uh, indie film from Monarch that otherwise would get completely ignored, but it deserves to have a little bit of attention because it, it's quite good, actually. Uh, it's called Not Since You, released by Monarch, and uh, it's being compared a little bit to The Big Chill. It's kind of you know it's a it's about a, a you know a bunch of friends from NYU who have kind of an unexpected reunion with one particular old buddy at uh, at a wedding, and um, it's got some of those cliches about people who you know the old the old uh, we used to date and now I'm showing up at your wedding and I'm going to screw up your relationship thing and I'm not a big fan of movies about wedding weekends as I have conveyed many times on the show and on radio um but this one actually is pretty well written and uh the characters are very very well 
carved out. And uh, this guy, Jeff Stevenson, who directed it, does a, does a really decent job. So it's a low-budget film, but it, um, it somehow kind of, um, it kind of worked on me. So uh, I would recommend this as a little indie film that you might want to go and check out. Nobody of name in here, but some quite good performances by these no-name actors. Kathleen Robertson is very good. Barry Corbin. It's very good. John Abrahams, Desmond Harrington, uh, Will Estes, some people have seen around a little bit. So some people here that are going to start showing up in other movies, I would say, pretty soon. I worth love Will out. Estes. Worth checking out. Worth checking out. Um, all right, Mark. Criterion time. Talk about it. Yeah. Unleash. You're dying to. Now, Criterion has been a little uh, remiss on the uh, Charles uh, Charlie Chaplin discs. They haven't well, really gone Blu-ray, Blu-ray Loco on it. They haven't because they don't have all of them. They don't have the rights to all of them. You know, all that stuff is in the Warner Library, and it was originally with Image, and then Kino released some, and it's, you know, so Criterion is, is working it a little bit. And uh, well, now, think, ladies uh, and Germaltonians. It's interesting that they would choose Modern Times as their... Uh, their first big chaplain release. They have Modern Times. This yeah. is good looking, folks. This is um, pretty sweet. This is the uh, Charlie Chaplin classic. This has a bunch of great uh, features, including now this is a 2K resolution digital transfer, not 4K, not 3K. It's 2K, but it still looks great. Perfectly it, adequate. Perfectly adequate. There's an audio commentary by uh, uh, Chaplin biographer David Robinson. That's very good. Couple of visual essays. Uh, Wade drops the DVD on the floor. Yeah, um, it's a Blu-ray, not a DVD. <laughs> Get your terminology right. We're supposed yeah. to be experts. Gosh darn it! Uh, there's a 39-page booklet featuring a couple of uh, terrific essays. There's a short Cuban documentary about the first-time moviegoers, uh, about first-time moviegoers seeing Modern Times in 1960, 1967. That's pretty cool. Uh, it's great. It's really cool. The uh, actually the one thing that I liked on here, uh, I, and I was not able to go through everything, but I like this thing called uh, Chaplin Today, Modern Times from 2003, which in, is uh, basically kind of a, a look at it through the eyes of the Darden brothers. Yes, who I'm really hit and miss with. I mean, I, they've made movies that I've hated, and they've made movies that I've loved, but uh, they are really they're they're a cool couple of dudes when they're just talking movies. Those Belgians. Uh, but yeah, this is this is lovely, and I hope this means that we're going to get a lot more out of this. Now, the uh, the rights situation is what confuses me a little bit, and um, I'm I'm trying to figure out what the situation is because I know Warner Brothers wanted to do the Blu-rays themselves, and they technically still have the rights, but their bug isn't on here. But uh, MK2, which is Marin Karmitz's French company that owns the the actually the negatives, um, they're on here. So I'm wondering what the license deal is. It's interesting. I'm gonna have to look into that. Yes, I'm going to have is, to look into that. Because you're cool. I've met Marin Karmitz, you know. No, you haven't. I have. Interesting guy. Um, Wait, we have more criteria. We, we have another criteria. Actually, we have two more criteria. There are, yes, well, that, this is kind of a weird one. We'll, we'll cover that momentarily. Uh, wait, should we do this or should we yeah, do that? Yeah, do, do that one. Do that one because then I can rip on this like nobody's business. Uh, wait from 1955, one of the most terrifying films ever, really, when you think about it. The Night of the Hunter. Now, this was the only film directed by Charles Lawton. And, uh, it's which is uh, sad. He should have directed more. Uh, you, know, the, you know, I rewatched this. I rewatched the film recently and also this Blu-ray, this Criterion Blu-ray. And you know what? It's really, it really is terrifying. I mean, Lawton, he, the guy went there. He totally went there. I mean, you know what? It is a creepy, it is a grim fairy tale sort of a movie. Yep. And um, do you remember the scene in um, Do the Right Thing where Radio Rahim had love and hate on his uh, yes. tattoo on his yeah. knuckles? Yeah. In the well, they're, they're actually the they're, they're, uh, rings. So brass they're like knuckles, whatever. Brass knuckle deals, yeah. Uh, now that's, gold knuckles. That's, basically, that's pretty much based on yes. the Robert Mitchum preacher character. Who has them tattooed. 
who has him tattooed on his knuckles yes. in Night of the Hunter. Yeah. And uh, Robert Mitchum plays a uh, evil preacher who marries Shelley Winters. And the reason why he marries Shelley Winters is because she's got some money and he wants it. And uh, it's the kids, her kids, her two kids, who wind up uh, you know, if you, his if you think about Shelley Winters' character in this film uh, and in uh, Lolita yes. and in the George Stevens film, oh, my gosh, an American, based on American tragedy, Montgomery uh, Clift. Uh, the uh, Giant. No. I mean, uh, uh, Star Wars. Oh, I'm... Blimity blam blam. Uh, I'm going to sing while Wade figures it out. It's called uh, The All-American uh, Brain. It's, it's killing me here. I'll, the the uh, All-American Brain? Yeah. Place in the Sun. Oh, Thank okay. you. Um, anyway, you think about her character in those three movies, and uh, gosh, she just gets the shaft not all the time. She's always the woman that gets – like people are with her for – everyone has ulterior motives for being with her. No one actually wants to be with Shelley Winters. Aww. This is a great transfer, by the way. Terrific. May I say? It is gorgeous. And uh, again, just like modern Creepy times, it's, it's, it's a 2K transfer at one, in 166 to 1. And uh, it's got a really high bit rate, and the image looks good. And it's got a really kind of, it's got some fine grain on it, but that fine grain kind of adds to the creepiness. And uh, it's good. It's really good. I, the, the, the audio is mono, but it's fine. You know, I, what I love, and we should point out, too, that 2K, when you hear like 2K, 4K, and I'm going to talk a little bit. We have an, a, a, some listener mail that we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks. Um, that gets, but when you hear like 2K, 4K, I'll tell you what that means. You're talking about a minimum 2,000 lines of vertical resolution as opposed to horizontal resolution. So, like, um, it's slightly higher. Like, for example, uh, HD, regular HD. Like 1080p, it's 1080p by 1920p, you know, horizontal versus vertical. So you have 1,920 lines vertically versus 1,080 lines horizontally. When you hear 2K, now they're measuring off of that second number. It's not like the 1080, it's the 1920. So it means basically that it is slightly higher resolution than HD. But 2K looks fabulous. 4K is perfect 35 millimeter resolution. So... You're on your HD television. It's you know 2K transfer is plenty to give you the full resolution for uh, for HD. So you're perfectly fine. They don't need to go higher. They need to go higher if they want to project. But anyway, fabulous, beautiful, and uh, I love the little uh, collaboration with UCLA sticker on there. UCLA Film and Television Archives. UCLA my, my sucks. Alma mater. My alma mater. UCLA you know, sucks. Mark, this Jerry Bruckheimer thing where they have Disney has gone to him and they've said, hey, uh, why don't you take all of our properties and somehow try to squeeze more dollars out of them like uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. It's, it's, a, it's a ride. Everybody loves it. Uh, well, make Pirates a, make, worked. Make a movie about it. It worked. Sure, it worked. And then they said to him, um, yeah, Prince of Egypt. Uh, this is like some kind of game. Make a movie out of it. And that tanked. Uh-oh. Blooms off the rose. And then uh, literally weeks after Prince of Egypt, just... Oh, Prince of Persia? Uh, Prince of Persia. Sorry, Prince of Persia. Um, weeks after Prince of Persia completely tanked and just went bananas, uh, they come out with The Sorcerer's Apprentice. With Nicolas Cage, who, of course, is, you know, gold these days, oh, right? Just Any movie. dud after dud. Oh, Man, that guy. He's, that guy's, he's the kiss of death. It's unbelievable, isn't it? He it's does, insane. He, make, he makes nothing but bad choices. It's incredible. Kick-Ass was the only decent thing, and he's like a, a supporting player in that. Yeah. No, uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice, which, you know, was a cute animated film with Mickey Mouse and some cool music, but this has nothing to do with that. This is Nick Cage, Sorcerer, and that horribly annoying Jay Barakel, uh, who, by the way... We were talking about this before the show. I finally got around to watching um, 
how, how to tame, tame your how to tame your dragon. Uh, I hated it. Thoroughly I, hated it. Really, I like and it I, a lot. And, I, and his voice. No, it's good. An, oh, so annoying. Really? Oh, can't stand Get it. Out of your mind. His hated voice him. is good. Hated him. Expressive, fun. Hated him. Wow. Hated him. Hated the movie. Hated the dragon that looks like Stitch. Come on. They 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 looked at Lilo and Stitch and said, "Why don't we make a dragon that has the head of Stitch?" Well, because Good he has grief. to be mean when he has to be mean, but yet you can believe that same head Whatever. body could be nice. Whatever. Vikings with Scottish brogues. So come on, so it's based on a true story. Well, of course it is. Anyway, this film is just dreadful. This is a uh, Blu-ray and DVD combo disc, and it's just a horrible movie. It's all special effects. The plot makes no sense. Uh, Nicholas Cage is dreadful. It's just nonstop special effects. John Turtletop is capable of so much better, but they obviously threw him a bone and a big paycheck, and I hope he bought himself a nice house. Um, anyway, dreadful, dreadful, dreadful. Uh, here are the extras on here. The, the you get a second disc with the DVD and the making of and a deleted scene, which means useless. Disc one, the Blu-ray has uh, a, some deleted scenes, outtakes, featurettes. Wow, that's exciting. Gosh, this is horrible. So did you like it? Uh, no, not really. Now, wait, there's something... Uh, there's something uh, yeah, weird, let's get into some compilation funny. stuff here. Um, something strange is coming from the Criterion people. Criterion people have done their first... Uh, well, they've done kind of theme things before, but they've done um, compilations of... Cla- you know, like their their uh, their art house films, their essential art house releases, where they've taken other films and some films never before released, package them together, and you release that as uh, you know essential art house collection one, two, three, four, five, so forth. And e- e- Eclipse does, and Eclipse box does, sets. yeah, interesting box sets, usually centered around a filmmaker. But this this here, this is the first time that they have actually done a kind of theme release, and it's fascinating. This is a Blu-ray special edition giant box set called America Lost and Found, The BBS Story. Now, when you hear The BBS Story, when I hear BBS, I think back to those early days of the Internet when people actually had BBSs, you know, bulletin, oh, bulletin board. board service. Yeah. And we had a lot of those sort of little private uh, yeah. private intranets where you uh, post in your own little groups and we stuff used to like have that. that. Right. Well, this this BBS, this is, this is a wholly different BBS. Uh, this is Bob Rafelson, Bert Schneider, and Steve Blauner. Bob, Bert, and Steve, BBS. And they formed BBS Productions, which re- it amazingly created an unbelievable number of classic films in just a few short years between 1968 and 1972. And these are those films. Here are the films included in this set. And ordinarily, I wouldn't lump these films together for any reason at all, other than, you know, some of them are directed by Bob Rafelson. But this is really interesting. Head, directed by Bob Rafelson. Easy Rider, directed by Dennis Hopper. Five Easy Pieces, directed by Rafelson. Drive, he said, directed by Jack Nicholson. A Safe Place, directed by Henry Jaglum. Wow, Jaglum got one in there. Uh, The Last Picture Show by Bogdanovich. And The King of Marvin Gardens, directed by Bob Rafelson. And uh, this really is the history of a production company and a particularly tight creative team that delivered a really unbelievable number of films. Now, a lot of these have been released before by other companies, uh, Head, Easy Rider, Five Easy Pieces, uh, Last Picture Show, and King of Marvin Gardens. Drive, he said, and A Safe Place have not been released before. So um, this is a fascinating collection, and uh, you got to get this. And it also includes uh, America Lost and Found, The BBS Story, which is the... Uh, 
the, the whole entire amazing background on uh, on these guys. Um, pretty amazing, I got to tell you. Pretty amazing. So uh, you get audio commentaries for uh, Head, Easy Rider, Five Easy Pieces, Safe Place, and The Last Picture Show. And you get a scene commentary for King of Marvin Gardens, which is kind of unfortunate, but you got to live with it. And then the uh, tons of interviews and documentaries and screen tests. The screen tests are really interesting. Uh, radio spots, all this amazing stuff. It's, uh, this is just great. This is absolutely great. Um, you know, if you're a film history buff and you really, really want to kind of dig into the uh, what – why these films are important and why this period was important because the late 60s and the early 70s are just a crucial period. That's when movies changed. Well, that's, that's when, when the rating, production code uh... production code ended and the rating system came in. Vietnam, movies got harder, tougher, more rugged and these guys took over. I mean, Rafelson and Nicholson and Jaglum. Well, you, well, you know, Head was the movie starring the monkeys. Written by Paul Mazursky. Written by Paul Mazursky and directed by, uh, you know. Written by, uh, directed by Rafelson. Rafelson and yeah. uh, co-written by Jack Nicholson. And it was it was the monkeys movie, and it was and the monkeys were you know the uh, they were the you know manufactured crazy kitty who TV couldn't, who show who couldn't play instruments but they had to learn eventually right but but the, but head is com- is completely psychedelic and conceptual I love it no it's a great it movie. is totally like the anti monkeys thing it's an awesome movie. and it's great it's yep. terrific love you know what I love from the head what do you love the dolphin song it's pretty great my favorite song yep. of that show yep oh uh, by the way uh, here's a couple of movies that I liked actually you know what here's a movie I don't like Let's start with that. Okay. Uh, uh, the Wiz from uh, one He's of my on all, Down the Road. One of my all-time favorite directors, Sidney Lumet. Wow, uh, what a, what a, why would you uh, – well, anyway. I don't know on. why Sidney Lumet, the guy who did uh, you know, Dog Day Afternoon, Networking the Verdict, would do The Wiz. This is an all-black take on The Wizard of Oz. A musical. A musical. And naturally, they would say, I know. Let's get the guy who did Serpico. <laughs> uh, you know, go figure. <laughs> it's totally bizarre. Uh, this is with uh, Diana Ross and Michael Jackson, totally all-star cast. Quincy Jones uh, did the music. And, uh, you know, this is just uh, a bit of a misbegotten movie. Who's it's, played Rob Cohen? It is. Yeah, that's when Rob Cohen was uh, producing partners with John Badham before he was a, uh, a director. And by the way, Richard Pryor plays the Wiz. Yeah, I know. I, you know, I have a kind of weird, kitschy fondness for this film. It's not good, not in any way even remotely, but it uh, – it's kind of an art. It's a nice, interesting artifact of a period, kind of in the same way that the, the BBS films we were just talking about. It somehow it just sort of represents a sensibility that doesn't exist anymore. And I know you're going to say, "Thank God," but you know, no one would make this film, much less make it this way today or ever in any other period. And uh, Joel Schumacher wrote the screenplay. He wrote a lot of those kind of urban black he did. kind of movies at that time. Well, don't forget too that this was originally a play. Yeah. And the play won a boatload of Tonys. Best musical, best original score, won a bunch of Drama Desk Awards. Look, I mean, the, lot, the, the play look, was huge. A lot of – I mean a lot of really big people threw their talents into this thing. Dee uh, Dee Allen edited this. Dee Dee Allen, so to date, the only editor who's ever received a career achievement award from the L.A. Film Critics. She did you know, Bonnie and Clyde. I mean amazing – Amazing, legendary editor. Oswald Morris, cinematographer. Albert Whitlock, the great uh, special effects genius who did Mary Poppins, did the effects. Joel Schumacher did the screenplay. I mean, really, you know, this was a, a lot of people really threw their, their weight behind this. Motown put some money into it. But it ain't that great. But it is kind of fondly remembered and, you know, mainly for Michael Jackson's, really his one and only noteworthy acting turn. Anyway. There we go. 
Uh, next is a film that's on DVD, but I would love to see it on Blu-ray instead. But there is no Blu-ray for Valhalla Rising. Nicholas Winding Refn is uh, becoming one of my love favorite him. directors. He's really, really talented. And this movie, uh, Valhalla Rising, is just a bizarre. I don't know how to. You know describe what? Describe this movie because I, I, I remember you saw it and you're like, "Oh, dude, you're going to love this movie." And I did. I loved it. Here's the thing: Winding Refn is uh, he kind of first fell on our radar when he made the uh, Pusher trilogy. He's a Danish director, and the Pusher trilogy sort of brought Mads Mikkelsen to the the front. He's uh, he's the star of All Hollow Rising. He was also in two of the uh, the Pusher films, which are really cool if you haven't seen them. It's a whole kind of drug underground. You know, uh, it, it's a huge, sprawling kind of epic look at all these different characters who form this network of, uh, of drug runners in Denmark. Um, and then he went and made the uh, uh, Bronson, which, which is I love. which is also really good. Valhalla Rising is a Viking movie, but it's like it's, it's bizarre. You know what? It it takes place in the year like one thousand A.D. Yeah, Mickelson uh, plays this Norse warrior named One Eye, and they travel with these Christian crusaders. No dialogue. Crusaders. No he has dialogue. No dialogue. Yeah, he does not talk in the film. He doesn't say a word in the film. And it's like not even like at the end where you're like, oh, he'll say something at the end because no, he also says no, nothing. No. He, uh, he's basically a slave who's being used for these gladiatorial uh, fights. And um, he escapes and uh, takes revenge on his tormentors and literally disembowels one guy with his hands. Oh, yeah, he does. Literally with yep. his hands. Like That's he right. has the guy tied up and he takes his hands and he shoves them into the guy's stomach, literally push, rips his flesh apart and pulls his guts out and onto the, onto the ground. That is correct. I mean, it is, it is, it's truly awesome. It's pretty awesome. Uh, anyway, and then he joins up with um, a bunch of other kind of Christian journeymen on what they think is going to be a, a voyage to uh, the New World. Or Jerusalem or something. And yeah, it's it's, like, it's 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 a crusade. It's it's a bit of a crusade. Yeah, uh, no, it, it, but it's like. It never... But you know what? Look, it is it is harsh, and it is beautifully photographed, and it is almost prime primordial. There's something yeah. about it that is just very. It just feels like another place in time. It really does. Uh, uh, you know, it's uh, yeah. It it I never quite. I mean, the whole bit at the end where they're sort of crusade bound or somewhere else bound. Never really – I thought they were supposed to be great navigators, but somehow they just get lost. Anyway. Uh, no, it really is an unusual film, and it deserves to be on Blu-ray. It really does. I like Bravo lot. to Reffin for making this. Huh? Bravo to him for even making it. What do we think about this for any Lafka Awards? Nah. You know, let's try. Let, uh, seriously, let's push it. What am I doing? We're, we, you we're voting in a week and a half, so we'll. Uh... I, 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 you know, if that was on Blu-ray, I'd want it. Yeah, I know. But it's just on DVD. Yeah. Uh, the winning season is a uh, girls' basketball, girls' high school basketball film. Uh, the only thing it has going. You just for lost it, half our viewership. I know, but I'll say this: our you know what? Sorry. I know. Uh, you know what? Sam Rockwell stars as a. Uh, you know what? Here's the thing with this movie. This movie uh, is so slavish. To all the sports movie cliches you've seen, where yeah. the coach buttermaker, down and out, uh, a drunken guy, gets a shot of redemption by coaching a, a young person's sports team. How's Emma Roberts in it? Uh, she's fine. I mean, whatever. Not, not great? No. Not brilliant? She's, just, she's one of the players. Okay. But this movie lives and dies with Sam Rockwell. And uh, it was directed by a guy named um, James uh, Strauss, who also did Grace is Gone, the, um, oh, yeah. uh, the, the John Cusack, John Cusack drama. thing, yeah. This movie is uh, lives and dies by Sam Rockwell. I love Sam Rockwell. He's terrific in it. 
he's a funny character, but he doesn't really play it for comedy, which is the smart way to go. And uh, it's good. You know what? Uh, you will, you've seen this all before. You've, you know, you've seen it all before, but Rockwell sells it. And there's another very good uh, performance here by a woman whose name I cannot remember. She was the woman who played in um, – oh, I forgot everything. Oh, uh, Margot Martindale. Very funny Margot Martindale. Ah, yes. Um, Margot Martindale was in the um, – oh, I Never mind. It's all right. I totally forgot. You, you, ate, you ate yourself into oblivion, so uh, <laughs> I, really I, just, I, I just thought myself into oblivion. That's all right. It's okay. You'll deal with it. Um, no, Parisia Tem. Remember Parisia oh, yeah, Tem? Yeah, totally. She played the American woman who was traveling in Paris, and she tries to. And she's an American going around Paris, and she's uh-huh. relaying in voice over her trip. And okay. she's so American, she pronounces all the French words wrong. And it was directed by the Coen Brothers, and it was so great. Totally. You don't remember yeah, that? Yeah, I do. You do I, you of course, I do. That was her. Okay. She's terrific in this, too. Cool. Anyway, what all I'm right. saying is, you've seen this all before, but Sam Rockwell's great, and, and, that, and it'll, it'll, way, it'll that, seem new again. That woman who's pronouncing all the words wrong, that was Alexander Payne who did that one. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Why did the, I say the, Coen Brothers? The Coen Brothers did the one on the subway with uh, Steve Buscemi. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the two sides of the subway. That creepy one. Uh, See, I remember that stuff. As you can tell, I remember nothing. Parisia Tam. Uh, okay, Mark, get that uh, Tyler Perry stuff on deck, and I'm going to blow through these compilation discs. We got some great compilation stuff here. Going to go through it real quickly for you. Uh, a couple of the greatest classic films collections from Turner Classic Movies. Uh, this one is Busby Berkeley Musicals. Now, if you love Busby Berkeley, you're definitely going to want to tune in next week for our holiday show our gift guide and uh, holiday happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas show. Because uh, I'm going to be talking about some books in addition to all these uh, DVDs and Blu-rays. And one of them is a terrific book about Busby Berkeley. A terrific book about Busby Berkeley. Did I say that? A Busby Berkeley-esque book burning, barnstorming book thing. Please say something. Okay. Uh, Busby Berkeley musicals. This includes Dames, Gold Diggers of 1937, Footlight Parade, and 42nd Street. And uh, it's pretty terrific. Not all of these are great, but... Uh, yeah, but 42nd Street is good. 42nd Street is good. Gold Diggers of 37 is, is just joyous, kitschy fun. Footlight and Parade? Footlight Parade is only important because James Cagney's in it. The, the only dud there is uh, Dames. Yeah, Dames is, is so-so. Uh, it's, you know, it's got Dick Powell in it, which is, I guess, good for some people. And, and Cagney's fine with Dick Powell again in Footlight Parade. Uh, but uh, Gold Diggers of 37, I, again, look, Dick Powell is in all of these, for crying out loud. But um, that was the, the deal. You know, it's Ruby Keeler and Dick Powell in almost all of these, except for Gold Diggers, which has uh, Joan Blondell. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's fun. And then the other one is Astaire and Rogers, and this is terrific. All four of these are great. Gay Divorcee, Swing Time, Shall We Dance, and Top Hat. Uh, look, honestly, Ginger Rogers, Fred Astaire, done. They're all absolutely terrific. My favorite of these uh, is it's going to be tough between Shall We Dance and Top Hat. Uh, Top Hat is no, just, Top Hat's cool. Top Hat is amazing. I mean, I use Top Hat as a kind of a signature film in uh, in that class that I taught on Amer- on uh, film history some years ago. Don't name drop. Okay, never mind. But Shall We Dance? <laughs> Shall We Dance is great. It's just got amazing Gershwin music. So uh, and Let's Call the Whole Thing Off is wonderful. Oh uh, wait, here's the thing. Uh, not yet. I got a few more. Oh, there's no thing yet. No thing yet. And then we got from uh, a bunch of stuff from VCI, a double feature of, uh, it's called Positively No Refunds Volume 2, and it includes Cuban Rebel Girls and Untamed Women. Um, 
these are from the Kit Parker Library, and they are really cheesy. I mean, unbelievably cheesy. And uh, the sad thing is that Errol Flynn is in one of them. Now, um, the uh, Cuban Rebel Girls is considered really kind of a disaster because Errol Flynn is kind of a vanity project of his. He's in it. He wrote it. And uh, it's kind of during his Cuban obsession period. And uh, it's it's pretty horrible. But you know what? It's worth taking a look at just if you want to sort of enjoy the awfulness of it. Untamed Women is uh, one of those, uh, you know, uncharted islands that has uh, all kinds of weird monsters and savage women on it. And it's just really silly. But, uh, again, really a kitschy classic from the 50s. Probably worth a peek if you just love schlock. And I mean schlock in the generic term, not as our documentary. Then we've also got uh, the Renowned Pictures Crime Thrillers Collection. This uh, from you know is an ongoing series from VCI, bringing to life again all of the great films done by Renowned Pictures in the UK. This includes three films, The Marked One, Murder Can Be Deadly, and Pit of Darkness. Uh, I would say The Marked One is probably the best one here. It's, uh, it's an unusual... These are all basically noirs, and uh, def- that one's definitely worth checking out. Uh, they're all made in the 1960s, early 1960s, but the marked one, I think, is, is particularly well-written. Uh, and then lastly, we have the last two sets here. We have uh, another Renowned Pictures set. This is a double feature of Tomorrow We Live and Inquest, uh, which are eh, so-so. Um, you know, there's a little bit – this is war stuff. You know, this is all kind of – uh, World War II propaganda filmmaking, and it it feels like it. They don't feel uh, quite as well-rounded as maybe they should. But, uh, again, if you have uh, kind of a yen for that stuff, dig into it. And then another double feature of two more renowned films from the same period are uh, Naked Fury and Cover Girl Killer. Um, a little bit better, but um, still kind of in the in the in the kitsch realm i wouldn't highly recommend these to anybody if you have never heard of them but if you've been sitting around waiting for these things to show up just thinking my goodness where are those cult films naked fury and cover girl killer there they are they're out double feature from vci hi wade we're ready i don't like tyler perry why i respect him uh, as a businessman but i don't like him don't have like you, his have movies you, have you seen for colored girls no, I refuse. You, you, you should check it out. But you like that movie. I do. Because it, it's totally not like anything he's ever done before. Because uh, he didn't write. He wrote the screenplay, but it's based on a play that he didn't write. Well, it's based on a play they've been waiting to make into a movie for like 30 years. Yeah. And they finally get Tyler Perry to do it, who's like the least. Like, they should get like Sidney Poitier if he was like around yeah. and directing uh, movies it, to direct that movie. surprisingly well directed. All right. Well, here's the thing. Uh, uh, Perry was born in New Orleans, and he wound up, uh, He now he has a home base in Atlanta. And uh, he's been writing plays since in his, like, his early 20s. And the reason he's able to be popular is because he was very, very good and quite, in fact, pretty genius at marketing his films obsessively to Christian families because the films all deal in Christian themes of uh, you know, forgiveness and, uh, and, and dignity and self-worth and whatnot. And there's also some serious stuff in there, too, and also some silly stuff because, you know, for some of these movies – uh, Tyler Perry plays the uh, character of, uh, of Medea, who uh, dresses up in. He's pain. in drag. He's in drag, basically. So it's it's a combination of silly stuff with Medea in drag being all you know all out there and and yo yo yo, and then it's got the Christian themes and it's got um, you know like child abuse and dysfunctional families. All that stuff is mixed into his movies, and he micro markets the hell out of it, and he's done an amazing job. And we've got um, one, two, three, four, five, six of his movies on Blu-ray. Diary of a Mad Black Woman, Medea Goes to Jail, 
Why did I get married? I love how Mark's respecting the Blu-rays. Medea's family reunion, the family that prays. Yes. And uh, finally, Medea's big happy family, the play. Which is also on DVD. Which is also on DVD. That's the first time that one's ever been out. Yeah. So uh, this last one, Medea's big happy family, uh, the play, is um, the most interesting because it is obviously a play. And the rest are films. So, um, you know what? If you like uh, Tyler Perry, then uh, you like Tyler Perry. Yeah. I just, I, you know, what? he, he, he kind of grows on me a little bit. I mean, movies aren't good. Like but, a fungus? Yeah, the movies aren't good, but you know what? Honestly, he... I respect his business acumen, but that's it. Well, look, he know, he, look here's the thing. The guy, he knows his audience. He knows... Tim actually talked about this. Our good friend Tim Cogshill, colleague at Box Office. Tim talked about this once when I was on the radio with him, uh, where he drew a very interesting distinction between Tyler Perry movies and Ice Cube movies, because Ice Cube is now kind of a film mogul. And the idea that Tyler Perry really addresses that segment of the black community that is communal as a consequence of the church. And there really is a huge segment like that, and it's been incredibly underserved at the movies. And even if his movies are kind of rather cloyingly written and sometimes silly comedies and, you know, maybe not that well-directed, hey, it's all those people have, you know? It's sort of like there was there was this momentary burp of evangelical Christian movies that also weren't good, but they made... Don't burp. But they made, uh, you know, they put Kirk Cameron in them and made a, a chunk of money, and, uh, you know, it's because there are these audience segments that nobody addresses. So bravo to him for doing it. I guess... Anyway. Yes, sir. A uh, lottery ticket is one of those. Oh, speak, uh, speaking of Ice Cube. Well, this is this. In the, fact, in fact, that was the that's the film that Tim was talking about when we were on the radio that week. He was talking specifically about a Tyler Perry movie and that. Well, this is the other end of the spectrum where this is uh, you know Bow Wow and uh, Bill Bellamy and uh, you know Loretta Devine and Ice and then T Pain in in a in just a T Pain's a real dude too. That's amazing. I thought he was just the guy on the uh, on the commercial. This is terrible. It's about a guy who wins uh, $370 million in the lottery, and then he's... Uh, the, the, <laughs> it's on Blu-ray. On. Who cares? It's on Blu-ray. Honestly, folks. T-Pain. Where's T-Pain? He's on that commercial. You've seen him, right? No, I've not. He, he, my, my face needs to be... Everything in the computer needs my face on it. Holla at your boy. And then he like throws a sandwich on the where, computer. Where do you have time? To, when do you have time to watch TV when you watch 400 yeah, it, movies a year? Because I, I watch Laker games. It's the only television I get to watch. That's not true. You watch everything. Uh, well, You're that, crazy. Des- Desperate Housewives. You know what else is uh, almost getting overshadowed this week, Mark? This is like a huge, huge deal, but there are so many other big titles being released. Everybody's going to miss out on Fantasia and Fantasia 2000, two-movie collection, four-disc special edition on Blu-ray, which includes Destino. Uh, now, that's a big deal because Destino is that, like legendary short film that has kind of been orphaned for a long time. Everybody's like, when is Destino coming out? And uh, when when are we going to see Destino? Because it's kind of this amazing, weird little movie that resulted from the collaboration between Walt Disney and Salvador Dali. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, oh, really? Disney and Dali got together? Yeah, believe it or not. And uh, it's an amazing, cool little Oscar-nominated short that was supposed to be at one point part of their, you know, Disney Archives line, and then it didn't make it there. And anyway, here we have Disney's uh, finally putting Destino on Blu-ray, tacked on to the Fantasia films. 
this includes Blu-rays of both and DVDs of both films, both Fantasias. I'm not a huge fan of Fantasia 2000, but it has a bit of a following. And uh, the original Fantasia, which includes the real Sorcerer's Apprentice. Thank you very much. Forget the Nicolas Cage junk that we talked about earlier. Uh, this is gorgeous. Disney does Disney knocks it out of the park every time with their Blu-ray releases. This is no different. Uh, this is all just cleaned up, beautiful, pristine, fabulous, fantastic, fantasia-tastic. Uh, the, uh, you get a really cool documentary on here the, um, called Dolly and Disney, A Date with Destino. And uh, that, I would say, honestly, I keep raving about Destino, but that, for me, is, is almost reason enough to buy this all by itself. Forget Fantasia. And then you get a uh, little BD Live thing here called Disney's Virtual Vault, which I got to admit is kind of cool, actually. It's the first BD Live thing I've seen that's not so bad. Uh, audio commentaries and a whole lot of other junk. And because this is big on Disney stuff this week, we have three other films that are uh, all tied to this, and I would recommend all of these just as much. This is a great documentary called The Boys, which is about the Sherman brothers, who were incredibly loyal to Walt Disney. These guys could have been, uh, you know, another amazing Broadway composing and uh, songwriting team. They could have been Rodgers and Hammerstein. They could have been Lerner and Lowe. They could have been Rodgers and Hart. They could have been just like those guys, but you know what? They tied themselves to Walt Disney and uh, were loyal to him and resulted in great songs for a lot of movies like Mary Poppins and a lot of others. They eventually went out on their own later on and did stuff like um, uh, 1776, but um, they did, you know, nonetheless, their work is amazing, and uh, this is a wonderful look at uh, a couple of very, very talented guys. Then we also have Waking Sleeping Beauty, which is a phenomenal documentary. Did you see this, Mark? Yeah, it's terrific. This is, it is terrific. Really terrific. This is about that period, that decade of, uh, of Disney Renaissance when Eisner and Katzenberg came in and t- kind of turned the ship around. And it includes every, you know, how basically The Little Mermaid was like one of the really key films in that renaissance. And it's, there's a lot of information on how it's, – it's the whole drama of how that period – came to take place and how it fell apart and how the Eisner-Katzenberg friendship just sort of disintegrated and uh, how the studio kind of lost its way after that as well. And amazingly, they talk to Eisner and they talk to Katzenberg and they get all those interviews. And it is amazing. If you want to see a film about the inner workings of Hollywood and the, the best and worst of it, this is the film to see. I it's agree. It's first rate. It's terrific. Absolutely first rate. And then Walt and El Grupo. This is, uh, <laughs> this is kind of a, a vanity thing from the Disney family, but... You know, it's it's nice and fluffy and fun. Basically what this is, this was 1941. Uh, World War II was in full swing, and uh, the U.S. government asked Walt Disney and said, could you go to South America where the Nazis are really trying to get a foothold and uh, kind of just be a great ambassador for all values Americans? So Disney went and grabbed a lot of his favorite people and went down there where they did research basically for the films that would become Saludos Amigos and The Three Caballeros, which are really fun movies. And um, this is this is the documentary about that trip, which is kind of fun. I mean, uh, you know, they don't get into the, the all of the, the devious politics behind it, but, um, you know, it's still, it's a fun little kind of fluffy documentary that... Uh, Gives you a sense of who Walt Disney was and why we love him so. Way the uh, big release of the week is Night and Day, the Tom Cruise uh, Cameron Diaz film. Now this was which directed, I really liked. Uh, yeah, it's fun. This was directed by James Mangold, whose last film was the uh, much better and just terrific Three Ten to Yuma. 
Uh, this one sh- uh, stars the ageless Tom Cruise as a uh, super spy who uh, runs into a uh, girl next door, played by Cameron Diaz. She thinks she's met uh, Mr. Wright. Turns out he's a super dangerous, gun-toting uh, spy, and uh, they go on a big adventure together. And you know what? I think that there was an expectation that this thing would be uh, Mission Impossible 7 or it would be, it would be a James Bond film. But you know what? It's just a big, uh, decent, middle-of-the-road, uh, good rental. That's okay. really all it is, and, yeah. uh, and that's okay. That's fine. It's on uh, DVD and Blu-ray. Special features on the um, DVD, not that much. However, the Blu-ray contains a whole, a whole bunch of stuff. It's three discs. Disc one is the Blu-ray. Disc two is the DVD. Disc three is the digital copy. So if you're into the film, you want to spring for the Blu-ray, spring for the Blu-ray. But still, uh, this is a good Saturday night rental. I agree. I uh, I would even say this is a fun movie to own if you like the rental. I don't know why this didn't do better. I think it may have been mismarketed. Or perhaps Tom Cruise and Cameron Diaz just don't have the same draw that they used to. Well, you but... know what? He's in his late 40s and she's getting up there and... Well, but you know what? It, it kind of struck me a little. It had the same sensibilities as Charade. It has a real tongue-in-cheek. Uh, oh, I love Charade. And Charade's it, fantastic. In this, it's not Charade by any means, but it has the same sensibilities. And I thought it was well-written and fun, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I had a good time with this. So I, I hope people discover it on Blu-ray and DVD because it deserves better than it got. You know what doesn't deserve Jack S? Yeah, yeah. Vampires I, I, suck. Now, yeah. this is on Blu-ray. It's on Blu-ray. I know. I know. I don't, this is a... Uh, why, why, it, you know why, what? why, why? Look, you know how much it probably costs to make Vampires suck? Do you, do you think it cost more this? than $2 million to make this movie? Oh, I'm sure it did. Oh, it cost and, more than $2 million or it cost less? Oh, I'm sure it cost more. Oh, more than $2 million? Oh, yeah. Okay, $5 million. Probably. Okay, so it costs five million dollars to make vampires suck. This is where we got Mark. This being this all began with Airplane, and Airplane was was good, right? And Airplane Two, it wasn't the Zuckers and Jim Abrahams, but it, it made it a decent it effort. Funny. It had a couple of funny moments, and then Jim Abrahams went and did the the hot shots and hot shots. Yeah, and, and you know, there's there's some the naked gun stuff from the Zuckers, and you know, yeah, it kind of held up. And then suddenly, scary movie, and you know, then they turn all the stuff over to the Wayans and then now it isn't even the Wayans anymore now it's just it's, it's just, like sub Wayans it's sub Wayans this stuff is just horrible it's just dreadful it's the worst kind of parody the extended bite me well, edition it, it, really it is, honestly it, it's, it's just cash it's cashing in on a craze yeah it is Everyone and loves I'm Twilight. So, you got $5 million lying around? We can uh, make a movie. I'm so embarrassed for Ken Jeong. He's just become a self-parody. That guy's a doctor. He's like a dentist or something. Is he really? Yeah. He's he, just... I mean, the, the commercials for the uh, for the shoes, uh, that's funny. But right. whatever. Horrible. We love it. It's your favorite movie ever. You know, I don't get why this isn't on Blu-ray. We got another special edition. What of, is that about? I don't know. We got another special edition of Strictly Ballroom out, which is... This is odd to me. This is very odd. And I'll tell you why this is super, super mega odd. Because this is a Miramax film. Now, if you haven't been paying attention, no film from the Miramax library has, made, has been re-released on DVD. And, not re- and none of them have been on Blu-ray for ages. For obvious reasons. Because Miramax was just sold and uh, you know everything is in limbo. So the library now is with Ron Tudor, and he's trying to figure out how to exploit it. And uh, meanwhile, Disney scheduled a special edition release of this that kind of fell between the cracks. So they they scheduled this and were able to get it in the pipeline before the library was sold, I guess so that they could scratch away a few 
you know, a few bucks out just before the sale. But I don't know why. I don't see what the point is because this has been released previously, you know, uh, in 2002. And then there was another re-release, I think, soon thereafter. And then another one earlier this year. And now they've got this out again. And I don't get it. It, it, There's nothing significantly different about this that makes it worth re-releasing again. It's got, you know, the audio commentary and a deleted scene and a couple of featurettes, and that's it. It's not really that special of a special edition, so I'm, I'm a little bit lost. But, uh, you know, it should be on Blu-ray, but we're not going to see it on Blu-ray now because we got to wait for the new owners of Miramax to get around to remastering everything, which they're not going to do for a couple of years. So if you're waiting to see Strictly Ballroom or Shakespeare in Love or Pulp Fiction... Or Cinema Paradiso, you're gonna on Blu-ray. You're gonna have a long wait, folks. Wait, I'm pulling this out on TV. I'm skipping around. Okay. Because when I flew back from New York uh, yeah. the other night, yes, on the plane. Yep. When I have nothing to do, I watched an episode of Parks and Recreation. Did you enjoy which it? I've never seen. It was terrible. <laughs> it was just terrible. <laughs> See, I don't think it's that bad. Now, it's, I, it's, now, it's kind of finding its its sea legs a little bit. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's terrible. Nah. Although I, here's, here's what I watched on the yeah. plane. Hmm. It's very exciting. Uh, I only watched two things. What, uh, the person next to you and uh, no, the I wing. watched uh, one episode of Parks and Recreation, okay. which sucked. And then I watched one episode of uh, New Adventures of Old Christine. Now, to me, nah. the New Adventures of Old Christine should be the worst sitcom ever. Yeah. But it turns out it's like one of the best and it's nominated for all sorts of Emmys. What did you think? Uh, it, it passed the time in a way that didn't uh, embarrass me or make me want to kill people. So, you know, I mean, like, that's really it, you know. But this Parks and Recreation was terrible, just so forced and po- po- so poorly directed. You know, like, they, they try to make it all realistic with this well, shaky the, cam that, and the office I, thing. And modern just, Family just is the same it. way, and it all starts with The Office, and, just, yeah, I got a problem with that. Just stop. They're all doing that now. Make it go away. I know. Uh, season two of Parks and Recreation uh, on uh, DVD. There's two and a half hours of deleted scenes, which is plenty. And uh, there's the opening three minutes of season three, which will mean nothing after season three premieres. Uh, this is with uh, Amy Poehler from Saturday Night Live and Baby Mama. And she plays a uh, woman who works at the uh, Parks and Recreation Department. Well, as long as we're wrapping things up with some television, we I'm going to... Yeah, we got to wrap it up. We're running out of time here. I did want to make mention of the complete fifth series of Doctor Who. Uh, this I is, hit the mic. This is, that's great. Thank you. This is on Blu-ray. So uh, if you've been waiting for the fifth season, the fifth series of the new Doctor Who with Matt Smith to come out on sensational Blu-ray, here it is. Uh, lots of really cool episodes here. Actually, I'm I kind of I'm kind of getting used to this guy. Is I'm the, like the younger, hipper Doctor Who's I've I've been hit and miss with, but I'm kind of getting used to it. Uh, some really cool episodes here. The Vampires of Venice is actually quite good. The Hungry Earth is very good, and uh, the Pandorica Opens is super good. So definitely check this out if you uh, if you can. Uh, a lot of really fun stuff. And then uh, there's additional scenes and uh, this three-part video diary that's pretty cool and um, six InVision commentaries, which are kind of gimmicky but uh, but pretty cool. So anyway, uh, there it is. That's the new limited collection, uh, limited edition collectible package, which includes these art cards and a nice uh, lenticular because it's, everything has to be all lenticular and 3D looking now. 
So that's it. We are uh, we're done for this week. Next week we'll be back with our big holiday gift guide show. Oh, it's good stuff, Mark. We got good stuff this week. Really good stuff. So next week's going to be a fabulous show. Don't buy anybody big gifts until you've heard next week's show. We'll tell you what's hot and what's not. Otherwise, check us out at uh, 10 o'clock Pacific time this week on Thursday. Live Stupid for Movies at stupidformovies.com. See you then.